you have that passage open in front of you in Luke 23. And uh, we're rejoicing this morning in the work of God in the life of Joel and that he is a true believer. And we've heard his testimony of his coming to saving faith by God's grace. And as he is baptized, it is a picture of that work that God has done in his life. And so as he goes down into the water, it's his old life, as it were. And then as he goes under the water, he's buried with Christ, trusted in the death of Christ for him, buried with Christ, dying with him, and then coming out of the water, rising into newness of life in the Lord Jesus. But I want you to understand this morning, it's really important that you understand that Joel is not a Christian because he was brought up in a Christian home or because he goes to church or anything like that, but because he is believing in Jesus Christ alone. And to understand that further, I want to come really to the very heart of the message this morning, and that being to the cross of Jesus Christ. And the scene before us in this passage is really the most important event ever to take place in this world. And at a place called Calvary, sometimes called Golgotha, the place of the skull, there are three crosses. On the middle cross being crucified is Jesus. And either side of him are two criminals, two thieves. Now, friend, there may be those here this morning who are genuinely interested in what it means to be saved, but they've never really heard the gospel before. Maybe some of you are looking for something, seeking, and yet you've never found the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and your, your faith, it appears, is weak and it's struggling for assurance that you belong to God. Well, the Bible is clear that all of us have to be converted in Christ. If we are to be right with God and have a certain hope of heaven, we need to be made new. And this is the most serious, it is the most important subject that we can ever face, and it demands your attention. And we're speaking here about the greatest act of God in all human history, that being the sacrificial death of his own son, Jesus Christ, on that cruel cross, and then the blessings and benefits that that brings to all who trust and look to him and put their confidence in him. Do you know, it is clear that we would long that each and every one of you will be brought to know Jesus Christ. That every one of you here this morning will be brought to that sure confidence that you have had your sins forgiven and that you are ready for death, for judgment and eternity because you've got a Savior. And without Christ... We are not ready for any of those things. And so let's look at this together, the cross of Jesus Christ. Well, at the place of Calvary, as I've said, three crosses, Christ in the middle, either side, two thieves. And with those thieves, there is one who is going to turn to Jesus, repent of his sin and trust him. And then on the other side, there's going to be someone else, the other thief, who is going to reject the Savior and will die in his sin. And so we have a very clear picture of what salvation really is and that it's a gift. And so with these three crosses, Jesus is on the middle. Now, if you read the Gospels in the Bible, it tells us that before Jesus was crucified, he was arrested and he faced a number of sham trials. Now, just a little bit of background, it was illegal by Jewish law to put anyone on trial at night because everyone deserved a fair trial so that the public could be there to witness what was happening. The Savior never faced a fair trial. He was tried at night without anyone around apart from the religious leaders. 
And he would face a number of them. They would find no wrong. They would find no wrongdoing in him. But because they hated him, they brought blasphemy against him and they condemned him to death because he said that he was the Son of God and they hated him. And they had wanted to get rid of him for so long. They, they hated Jesus. They hated him for the way that he exposed their hypocrisy and their false religion and challenged their status. They wanted rid of him. There are many people like that in the world today. They don't want Jesus. They don't want the challenge that comes. And the Jews, they couldn't put anyone to death because they were under occupation by the Roman Empire, so they needed Rome's approval. So they took Jesus to a man called Pontius Pilate to present him as a guilty criminal. And under pressure to put Jesus to death, even though he couldn't find any fault with Jesus, he washed his hands and he declared that he was he was free from any guilt relating to Jesus, and he gave the choice to the Jewish people. And they cried out, crucify him. And Matthew says that the people also cried out, his blood be on us and on our children. And then the Lord Jesus, after a period of a beating and wounding, and all of those things was made to carry his cross to the place of execution forced on a long winding path through the city to make sure as many people as possible could see him. And even though he was innocent, he was paraded as a criminal. And eventually, as we read, a man was drafted in to help him. And so there, when he came to Calvary, they laid the cross down on the ground and he was placed upon it. And those nails were driven into his hands and his feet and he was lifted into place crucified in front of many witnesses. A sign was put above his head, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Some of the disciples were present. Others had fled. Peter had denied him. Judas had betrayed him. Some of the women were present, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was watching her precious firstborn son crucified in pain and shame and agony. And there Jesus hung and bled and he died. And that is what is happening according to the Scriptures. And you need to know that it wasn't Pontius Pilate that brought Jesus to the cross. It wasn't the portrayal of Judas that brought him to the cross. It wasn't the hatred of the Jewish leaders and people or the cruelty of the Romans that took him to the cross. No, the Lord Jesus went to the cross willingly to accomplish a rescue that had been planned from before the beginning of the world. And he went to the cross to do the will of his Father and to fulfill that saving purpose. And his love for lost men and women like you and me took him to that cross. He came into this world to be crucified, to be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it was the Father's love for the world that brought Jesus Christ to the place of crucifixion. And so I asked you this morning, do you realize that? You understand what was taking place there. It wasn't just a grand gesture. It wasn't just an empty martyrdom. This was a planned work of deliverance. You know, the Bible is very clear what Jesus was doing when he was nailed to the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That verse speaks of a great exchange. The Lord Jesus did something which brings an exchange between the one who believes and himself. 
And so the sinner who comes to Jesus finds that their guilt, their sin, their condemnation is all laid upon him. And in exchange, they receive forgiveness, they receive everlasting life and peace and deliverance. There is a great exchange. And you say, well, how does that happen? Well, through repenting, through turning from our sin and believing in Jesus Christ alone, both of which are gifts of God's grace. We don't bring anything with us but our sin, but in exchange, Christ gives us everything. You know, that's what it means to be a real Christian. It's not about trying to be a good person. It's not trying to do this or that. It is trusting in Jesus alone. You know, the Bible puts it another way, 1 Peter 3.18. Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. His act of dying on the cross was as a substitute on behalf of all who believe in him. He represents all his own people in their guiltiness. He suffers our guilt being himself innocent. By the way, as we come to Christmas, you know, you'll hear and maybe sing some of those carols which speak about the, the birth of Jesus, born of a virgin. It was vital that he was born of a virgin. Because if he had been born with a human sinful father, the consequence for him would have been what it is for us, that he would have been a sinner. And so even in that part of God's plan, it was utterly perfect. And because the Lord Jesus was born of a virgin, taking our human nature to himself without a human father, the Holy Spirit bringing it to pass, it meant that he could be the sinless Savior that we needed. And Jesus was indeed that one who came to start a new humanity in which the love of God would be in the hearts of all his people. And it's interesting because at the cross, as he hung there, above his head was this sign, Jesus, the King of the Jews. And more than that, friends, you need to know this morning, he's King of the waters, King of the universe. He is the maker of all things in heaven and earth. He is the one worship of all angels in the glory of eternity before the world began. And he came. He stepped down in order to die for sinners like you and me, that we, through his agony, through his suffering, might have everlasting glory. That we, through his rejection that he knew by men and that dealing with our sin can have acceptance with God and have a certain hope of heaven. You know, the Bible also puts it in this way, 1 John 2, that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that he turns away the anger of God. One preacher compares the anger of God to like a waterfall which crashes over our heads. And if we die without Jesus Christ as our Savior, then the waterfall of divine wrath will fall upon us and carry us down to an eternity of terrible, endless judgment. It's what I deserve. It's what we all deserve as sinners and rebels against God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. But that word propitiation means a deflecting. It means a diverting of this terrible waterfall of eternal wrath. And so the Lord Jesus, in his great love for sinners like you and me, came and shed his blood, taking the place that we deserve so that that wrath could be done and dealt with so that we would not have to face it. He is the appointed mediator. He stands between God and his people. He gave himself our substitute in our place. 
and he's wiped out the handwriting of requirements against us, that if we trust in him, we can be forgiven in entirety and accepted with God forever. It's a wonderful thing to know that you're forgiven. The Bible says we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. We've gone our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're all sinners. No one could deny that. No honest person anyway. And we've been selfish and we've been proud. We're sinners. And then you've got the Lord Jesus, the solitary, sinless, pure, lovely Savior. And for all who believe, our sin laid upon him. He had never sinned. But he became sin for us. And our sins were laid upon him. That substitution. He took our place. And friends, do you know something? We don't value what Jesus has done until we come to benefit from it ourselves by a personal faith. We don't understand the wonder of this until we give our hearts to Christ. We never know what he has done or how wonderful his kindness is until our own hearts have been touched by it when we're saved and brought by the grace of God to believe. That's what happened to Joel. It's what's happened to many of us here. And we pray that it would be for you too. We don't value the Lord Jesus until we know him in that real and personal way. And how I long that all of you here could know in your own heart and be convinced personally that Jesus Christ is not only a saviour, but he is the saviour and he's your saviour. You know, when we're converted, we come to see that one thing is more important than all the world. And that is that this blessed Jesus is the saviour of our souls that he can transform our life, give us hope to live, hope in death, hope for time, hope forever. He's the one that sweetens all our life and makes all things different than they ever were before. And so I ask you personally, do you know Jesus Christ for yourself? I'm not asking if you know about him. You might know some of the facts and all of those things. I'm asking, do you know him? Have you come from darkness into that light? Have you turned your back upon this empty, foolish world? Have you come to see that nothing really matters but to know God and to live for God and his glory in this life? Have you come to put your trust personally in Jesus Christ who died the just for the unjust and was made the propitiation for the sins of his people? That's the only way to have real life. You might think that you're going about and you've got real life. You haven't. Real life is only found in Christ. The man on the middle cross. The only hope for the lost, like you and me. And then very briefly as we finish, let's look at these two thieves. The thief who was saved. On one of the crosses next to the Lord of glory was this thief. And at first, it seems, if you read the Gospels, both are cursing Jesus. They're both hardened criminals. They're desperate. They're dangerous. And uh, their abuse of the Savior, even on the cross, it exposed where they're at. But then incredibly, one of them is suddenly given to think, and he hears the other one cursing the Lord, and his heart is convicted. If you look at verses 40 to 41, he says, don't you even fear God? Seeing you're under the same condemnation, and we deserve it, this man has done nothing wrong. And we say, well, what has happened? What, what was the change? Well, as the Lord Jesus hung on that cross just before the darkness fell, something stirs in this heart of the thief. And the Lord was working, and this thief is given to understand that 
the one who is next to him is not just any other man. He sees the innocence of the Lord Jesus. He sees his perfection. He sees his only hope and he cries out, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We don't know for sure what led to the conversion of that man apart from the work of God. You know, was it the things that he'd heard Jesus say? Remember on the cross, Jesus, uh, when most men would have been cursing and shouting, he had said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, this man would never have heard anything like that in his life. Someone who was there through a great injustice, who had suffered such cruelty, and yet he prays for forgiveness. Or maybe this man was impressed that even in such appalling pain, the Lord Jesus demonstrated such love for his own mother, entrusting her to the care of John. Whether it was the things that the thief heard and saw, or whether he took notice of the words above the Lord's head, King of the Jews, or when he looked into the face of Christ, we don't know. But it is incredible that this man was converted. Incredible because what he saw with his eyes was a man like himself, bleeding his head, his hands, his feet, a man seemingly defeated, overwhelmed by troubles at the hands of his enemies, a man whose life he supposed or might have supposed was a failure, but he was given to see something different. As he looked at Jesus, he saw in this man one who was the king of glory, one who was soon to leave this dark world and rise in majesty and sit down at the right hand of God. And he saw it. And he saw Jesus as his only hope. Do you know God can do that? He can take even the hardest heart and the blindest eyes, the deafest ears, and he can open them. And you know, you may have come this morning and you might be so hard against Jesus Christ, against the gospel, and yet in a moment, he can save you and he can change you. If you don't know what it is to be saved, to profess Christ, you need to consider this dying thief carefully to help you see what it is to be a real Christian. He just says, Lord, remember me. These are words of earnestness and faith in Jesus. And above all the noise of this world, God hears that cry. And if in your heart you truly desire to know the way to heaven, if in your heart now you're asking God to give you light and understanding and grace, he is listening to what you are saying and in the depth of your soul. And if the words of this man were sweet, the words of Christ our Savior were sweeter when Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. It's a wonderful promise. Certainly, today, you'll be with me. In glory, in heaven, that wonderful state, released from all sin, that was the promise that was given. Paradise to heaven, to which the soul goes between death and the final resurrection. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Friends, we are passing so quickly through this world. And if you've not got the Lord Jesus, what hope have you got? You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven on your own. It is impossible. But if you believe in Jesus Christ and give your all to him, he will say the same to you because these words were not just said for the sake of this one man only, but for the sake of all who would believe in him. What a glorious comfort for those of us who face death in Christ. Today, you'll be with me. Do you have that faith? 
Do you know what your future is? I urge you to leave, not leave this place without crying out to the Lord who says, oh, he can save you. And cry out to the Lord say, oh, Lord, please give me the faith that this dying man had on the cross to believe in you and to take you at your word. And the dying thief looked to Jesus and was given to see the one who could forgive his sin, make him right with God and give him certain hope even in the face of death. But here's the warning. The man on the other side, he too was exposed to the Lord Jesus. He saw the dealings of the Lord with the other thief and yet he does not turn to the Savior. And the the soul of that man is lost. His mouth had been full of cursing, not worship. And he stepped into an eternity of judgment. He'd been in the presence of the Savior and yet still turned away. It's a tragedy. If only he'd repented and turned to Christ. He too could have been seated in glory, but no. And my friend, if you do not, then your blood will be on your own head and you'll have no excuse before God. The unbelieving thief was lost and what a tragedy if that was the case for you as well. It is so clear, we're not saved by works. The thief who was saved, you know, he had no good works and he knew it. He was a vile criminal. Nothing he could do could make himself right with God. How then did he become so clean as to get to heaven? It's a gift of grace. And all a person needs to be cleansed is faith alone, in Christ alone. And as soon as you believe in Jesus, he will forgive you. He will clothe you with his own righteousness. And you will be accepted both now and forever. One thief received. And the gospel makes it clear that a sinner can know it too if they repent and believe. The Bible says, let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him come and take of the water of life freely. And that's there for you this morning. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. And here you are this morning, confronted with sin, confronted with eternity. Christ stands before you as the only Savior, and he will save you to the uttermost if you call upon his name. He won't cast you away. He will save you. He will keep you both now and forever. But you must know him and believe in him for yourself. Joel was brought to that. And like the thief who was saved, he is able to testify that his only hope was that man on the middle cross, Jesus Christ, the Savior, who died and rose again and grants life to all who believe in his name. You know, you may have come this morning and come lost, but I pray that by the grace of God you would leave found and trusting in Jesus and that you'd be able to sing that it is well with you because Jesus is your only hope. Will you look to him and be saved? It's all there for you, dear friends. May you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus and know this wonderful Savior. Amen.